0: The South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. With everybody caught up in Raptors fever and with the Blue Jays season going not so great, it's sort of understandable that the Blue Jays have been on the back burner, but here we are. Welcome to a special solo edition of the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene. Dot TV network and part of the Overtime Media crew. The Blue Jays season has been underwhelming to say the least, and maybe to some, myself included, a bit disappointing. I don't think, look, we all knew this was a rebuilding year. We all knew that there were going to be some growing pains. We all knew that with the kids coming up when they did, them being, you know, in, in certain spurts. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Rowdy Tellez, Anthony Alford. At one point, uh, right now, Kevin Biggio. We all knew that there were going to be some growing pains. We all knew that they would have to make adjustments. We all knew that they would have to um, come up to the major leagues, experience some big league pitching and hitting and fielding, and probably not adapt as quick as we would have liked them to. We all knew that this was on the table. But myself predicting... A 78 win season coming into the start of the season. That doesn't seem to be on the table at all. Look, we're 77 games in right now. All Mm -hmm. right. We're almost approaching the halfway mark of the season. Um, I'm recording this Sunday morning. Um, 28 and 49 is the Blue Jays' record. 28 and 49. When you're talking about winning, 80, 78 games, or predicting a 78 win season. The Blue Jays have to win exactly 50 more games. All right. And they still have more games against the New York Yankees. They still have more games against the Boston Red Sox. They still have more games against the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, and by the way, they still have more games against the Houston Astros. This is something that is not, it's just not going to happen. And I think Ross Atkins at the beginning of the season spoke out about this and said, look, it's not about wins and losses this year. It's about player development. It's about who's going to be able to stay on this team, who's a part of the team's future moving forward, and who can we rely on. I get it. All right. I I totally understand that. And I don't like bringing this back to Raptors talk because I kind of like to keep these entities separate on the show. But there is sort of this cross-pollination when it comes to the success of the Toronto Raptors, seeing the city and the entire country um, behave and react in such a positive way as a result of a Toronto-based team winning a championship, you have to believe that both the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Blue Jays are a little bit envious of it and would probably like, in, in the case of the Blue Jays, probably like to expedite the process here to compete. Um, the New York Yankees aren't going anywhere for a while. The Tampa Bay Rays aren't going anywhere for a while. The Boston Red Sox are going to be introduced with a lot of contract uh, problems, I should say, or uh, issues in the, in the near future, probably within the next one or two years. Um, but that being said, there isn't this clear-cut window of opportunity that the Blue Jays are projected to, ha- projected to have in comparison to years like 2015 and 2016. 2015 being that year where the Blue Jays had this opening to really compete because the Blue J- I mean the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox were in quote-unquote down years for them in terms of their standards. The Blue Jays had this window of opportunity to compete, had this window of opportunity to push for a playoff run. They did. Uh, They didn't make it to a World Series, but I'd say those seasons were quite memorable. This Blue Jays team right now, in comparison to how the, uh, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox are lined up, it is not similar at all. It's just not, there is no projected way for them to compete and really own the AL East, right? Save for the Baltimore Orioles, who, for their credit, are rebuilding as well. And they may be in sort of contention, or they may be pushing just as hard or harder than the Blue Jays in three, four years' time, right? So this window of opportunity isn't going to exist in a clear-cut, obvious way. The Blue Jays need to make moves sooner rather than later. Again, when you see a city like Toronto react to a championship, you have to imagine that Rogers is looking at this situation, is looking at the success of the Toronto Raptors, right? It's looking at the success of MLSE and saying to themselves, look, we need to push for that. We need to do everything we can to invigorate this city in the exact same nature that the Toronto Raptors have. How do we do that? How do we expedite this process? And I'm not saying sell the farm. I'm not saying uh, be... Ridiculously careless with the the farm system that you have and with the money that the Blue Jays will have in terms of payroll, especially starting next season. But I do think that with this patience that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have been exhibiting, this patience that they have been preaching about needing to really load up the farm system, add that, that sort of stability in that system, and to really create this foundation, this assembly line of players that if someone goes down, we have a very talented and good replacement level talent that can supplement that. I get that. But it's time to get aggressive starting next season. It's time to really push the chips in. It's time to really try to go out and sign free agents because, the, again, the window of opportunity is not going to be there But if this Blue Jays team wants to replicate or even come close to what the Toronto Raptors have just done, the answer is to take risks. And maybe save for Kendris Morales' contract, this front office has not proven that they are willing to take risks. That's not to say anything negative about them as a whole. I have no problems with the Atkins-Shapiro regime right now. I have no issues with it in terms of how they've been performing and to how they've been uh, stabilizing this team and this farm system from top to bottom. I have no issues, none. But in order to win a championship, in order to really push into contention, you have to take risks. I know a lot of people love talking about Alex Anthopoulos. I know, I know he's probably the, the top tier Toronto Blue Jays GM that we've had in recent memory in comparison to what has been out there. I get it. But the one thing that Alex Anthopoulos did in 2015, whether you agree with the notion of selling off the farm or not, mortgaging the future, he took risks. All right? He took a risk to acquire a David Price. He took a risk to acquire a Troy whiskey. Okay? These types of players are the types of players at that time that could push you. Yes, the long-term ramifications were rough to deal with. It's a lot of unsteady ground and rough waters, I get it. But at the time, nobody would have not made that move. I'm not saying Ross Atkins and Shapiro need to make a, a move in similar vein. I'm not saying they have to mortgage their future in order to compete right now and to pick up some maybe some undesirable contracts, that being of the likes of Troy Tulewitzki. But what I am saying is that the Blue Jays and the front office need to take risks. Starting next season, the Blue Jays really don't have much in terms of uh, pitching. And that is including in the minor league level. That uh, There's really not much there to really put a, a staple into that starting five and say, okay, this is the, the rotation of the future. There's really not that much. right? And we can't rely on just minor league talent when it comes to pitching it probably would do the blue jays some good if they're willing to make some of their minor league talent a little bit expendable not all of it not the majority of it just some of it i don't know that the blue jays are going to be able to go out and grab an ace when it comes to trading some of their minor league stars that's probably not going to happen but if you can load up this rotation which with a bunch of twos and threes, you might have a strong rotation, a strong enough rotation to compete. The reason why I'm bringing all this up is because a lot of people like to abandon the Blue Jays as a result of this really, for lack of a better way to put it, this really shitty season. And I understand that. I understand it's really difficult to pay attention to a team that isn't performing up to the standards, again, maybe the too high of a standards that we put out there. But I don't think this organization is doomed. I don't think this team is doomed in the long term. I do think that this team has a lot of talent out there. But as we've been mentioning, you know, as Ross Atkins has been mentioning, there's going to be some growing pains. All right. So with the likes of Cavan Biggio, who has come up and been he's quite a bit of fresh air coming into the season as he's made his debut. I mean, just look at the pedigree. That sort of makes sense. But when you look at his line so far, he's played in only, what, 24 games? Thus far, he has a line of uh, 216, 359, 446, with an OPS of 805. It's not bad. It's actually pretty good for someone that's just just starting to see Major League hitting in 24 games. And this is only over 92 played appearances and 74 at-bats. It's pretty good. All right? And... There's still a lot to be seen. He's still pretty raw when it comes to his talent. It's still pretty raw when it comes to his abilities. There's going to be more to see when it comes to kids like these. Speaking of, look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All right? I remember when we did a show on the arrival of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. finally coming into the big leagues. I, I, re, I remember saying I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen the hype so high. For a prospect coming into the major leagues. And it shows to how valued this kid is. Now, look, he's played 47 games thus far this season. All right. His line is still pretty good. It's 253, 323, 421 with an OPS of 745 and an OPS plus of 101. All right. He hasn't been this masher that we envisioned. And again, this might go back to the standards that we've set this bar that we have set. It might have been a little too high. We should have anticipated growing pains. We should have anticipated him needing to adjust to major league hitting. The The disparity between AA and AAA isn't that much. But the disparity between AAA and the big leagues is huge. Huge! And if anybody thought that he was going to come in here and start just mashing the ball like Mike Trout and to be this otherworldly talent, I'm sorry, that's just not how baseball works. And this is... N- not even giving him enough credit because he's been, form, been performing pretty well, all right? Look, over the past 10 games, he's only struck out eight times, all right? And over the course of those 10 games, he has an average, a line rather, of 289, 364, 368, 732. You'd like that slugging number to go up a lot more, but it's still not bad for a raw talent. It's still not bad for essentially what he is as a rookie, all right, And this is not to mention, not again, not to discredit anything, not to discredit the talent, but I see people on Twitter suggesting that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. isn't ready. And I, I just disagree. This is a kid that you need to keep on this roster and to go through these growing pains. Especially, I know people think that these, these losing efforts that the Blue Jays are putting on and displaying and performing like, are going to somehow ruin this kid. It's not the case at all. In fact, I think it's going to strengthen him. I think going through this adversity early in his career and maybe then being able to experience, hopefully, knock on desks, being able to experience a large amount of success with the Toronto Blue Jays, with a young core, is actually going to do him a lot of good. It's going to humble him in, in, a, in a way, I should say. So I'm not worried about the development of the kids, that being Kevin Biggio, that being Rowdy Telez, that being Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I know we didn't really get into the numbers of Rowdy Telez, which, to his credit, they're not even that bad. They're really not. You know, with an injured Justin Smoke, you could do a lot worse. My point here is there's still a lot of raw talent that needs to be developed. There's still a lot of prospects that need to come in to see this thing through to see where they stand on this team bringing it back to the beginning of the show we need to see where these kids fit in on this team if they fit in at all all right and if they don't then they're they could be regarded as trade chips they're still young enough and raw enough that another team may find them attractive and may feel that they can quote unquote reinvent the wheel in a way And take them on under their wing in exchange for something that the Blue Jays could really use. All right. This is going to lead us to the trade deadline. This is going to lead us into possible trade candidates that the Blue Jays have. We're going to jump on that. Hopefully, this can be utilized to improve the organization moving forward. Hopefully, this can be utilized to have a nice little foundation, especially on the pitching end moving forward. We're going to talk about that right after this. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, welcome back. Um, So let's talk some trade deadline conversation. Look, we have a whole lot of time until the trade deadline approaches. Trade deadline this year, of course, July 31st. What's unique about this year's trade deadline is that there's only one, and I think MLB is doing this correctly. There is literally only one trade deadline, and that's it. It's hard. It's capped. That's it. There is none of this uh, waiver, non-waiver, trade deadline distinction it is legitimately you trade your players by July 31st, and that's it, which is great. This is probably going to amp up the pressure for MLB executives and front office officials to really set in stage what they need in terms of uh, capital, what they can ex- what can, they can spare rather in terms of uh, trade capital. Um, it's exciting. It's a little bit it, a nuance that is being introduced that is probably long overdue. For the MLB it's very similar in vain. In fact, it's actually exactly the same as the remaining two big sports or three big sports, however you want to look at it. Um, but this is, this is something that's going to really push the envelope. I feel for front offices across the board, whether they're, they are buying or selling um, specifically teams that are buying. This is going to probably amp up a bidding war uh, between clubs for uh, respective players. And I think this is where the Blue Jays can really benefit and be in the driver's seat when it comes to improving their, their team. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to play for the Blue Jays because I do think that they're going to be in the driver's seat when it comes to the aspect of selling certain players. Now, we know that the Blue Jays aren't going to be buyers at the deadline. If anything, they're going to try to flip um, some veterans for some young players to boost the system. That's been the name of the game for the past three years. Um, so the number one trade chip that the Blue Jays have to sell, it's no secret, is Marcus Stroman. Um, I know that he's well-liked within the fan base in the organization. I know that Marcus Stroman is maybe one of, if not the most popular Blue Jay on the roster right now, depending on how you want to balance him and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. out. Unfortunately, uh, right now, he is probably the best trade ship that they have. Unfortunate for those that really love Marcus Stroman. Um, I was on record in the offseason saying that Marcus Stroman ought to be shipped out because I like Aaron Sanchez and his stuff better. Um, This is not including injuries. Obviously, that has to be taken into consideration now. But at the time, Aaron Sanchez's stuff, pure stuff, I feel was a little bit better than Marcus Stroman. And I still think it is. The problem is is that Aaron Sanchez just can't stay healthy. And if you can't stay healthy, A, you're not valued for other teams in terms of a trade acquisition. And you're not really doing much for the team that you're on right now. Um... These finger issues don't seem to be going away, these blister issues. So Marcus Stroman has been taking the mantle as probably the best trade chip that the Blue Jays have. Um, It seems that a lot of teams are interested. I know that the New York Yankees have been rumored to be interested in Marcus Stroman. Same with the Houston Astros. They've been linked to Marcus Stroman. Um, I know the Padres at one point were linked to Marcus Stroman as well. It's going to come down to a bidding war, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Marcus Stroman was traded come the deadline. It doesn't seem that the Blue Jays are willing to offer him an extension. Uh, I don't know what kind of extension he is looking for, but I imagine that it's going to be one that the Blue Jays are not comfortable spending. Um, so having said that, Marcus Stroman is by far the best trade ship that the Blue Jays have in terms of assets that they are willing to move. And what makes him so attractive is that he has one year left of control. Um, This isn't a rental. This isn't a rental for a team looking to acquire starting pitching. Here's the problem, though. Here is something that I don't know that Blue Jays fans or some Blue Jays fans are willing to reconcile. Marcus Stroman may be the best pitcher on the Blue Jays staff right now. That doesn't mean he's an ace. He's not an ace. He is the number one pitcher on the Blue Jays in rotation, sure but he is not an ace on most of the teams in the MLB. At best, at best, he's the number two on another team. I probably don't see that. I don't really see that being a realistic uh, position for him on another team, specifically teams like the Yankees or the Astros. He's probably more of a number three. I don't know that you're going to have teams willing to break the bank for Marcus Stroman as their third pitcher in the starting rotation i just don't see it um moreover i don't know that the blue jays are going to get a solid starting pitcher in return maybe they will right you can't have i don't want to say a disaster but you can't downplay the value of a mark stroman and settle much like they did j Happ. it seems right even though uh mckinney and drury are good players for this team I still think, given the production that Jay Happ has been giving the Yankees this year, albeit on a new contract, um, the Blue Jays certainly could have done a lot better. All right? And when you look at what Marcus Stroman is able to offer this organization and offer other teams, yes, he's not an ace, but he's still adding a boatload of stability to other teams and a boatload of stability to those trying to make that playoff push. That being said, I think the Blue Jays should be looking for a top 100 prospect in on the pitching end. A top 100 pitching prospect, period. They need to boost the staff and I think that is the starting point. At the very least they need one top 100 pitching prospect and then some. Right? And the and then some might be something that they can, you know, freshen up and allow their system to blossom. Um, they can't settle here. They need to be in the driver's seat. They need to be a little bit greedy when it comes to what the return is, will be, rather, for Marcus Stroman. Um, this organization, as I mentioned in the jump, is starving for uh, pitching prospects. Starving for it. Um, it's it, It's not a failure on the organization, but they definitely paid more attention to the positional players than the pitching uh, aspect of their farm system. Um, there's really not much there. Aside from a Pearson, aside from a, a Zoic, there's really not much to be desired. And I understand that the it, it's very counterintuitive for Blue Jays fans to think, well, look, we have Marcus Stroman on the major league squad right now. He's been proven to be productive for the major league roster. Why risk trading him away for a prospect or two or however many you're getting in hopes that that prospect becomes the next Marcus Stroman? Why not just spend to keep Marcus Stroman on the roster long term so he does line up with whatever window of opportunity approaches the Blue Jays or for whenever the Blue Jays are ready to push all in in terms of making drastic trades or spending big on free agency, why not just have Marcus Stroman ready? Here's the issue. Marcus Stroman's probably looking for a pretty lucrative contract. And I know this is a buzzword and a hot topic for the Blue Jays and how they are run by Rodgers, but they probably aren't willing to spend they're looking for cheaper assets. I know that sucks. I know that really su- it sucks to hear. But Marcus Stroman in his production and his timeline doesn't really line up for how the Blue Jays see their, their approach to competing. Um, that being said, it's probably better for the Blue Jays to roll the dice and acquire uh, a prospect that is highly valued in the system in hopes that he becomes a Marcus Stroman or better. Like I said, they don't really have much in terms of pitching prospects besides a Zoic and a Pearson. You need more than that to compete. We don't know. I know Luciano is hurt, and he's, he's still raw, and he's probably not major league ready. All right, So I don't know when his timeline run, um, lines up with the Blue Jays' window to compete. I don't know, and I don't know that this is going to be a huge setback. In fact, it probably is. So in terms of the pitching, there's not a lot there. I don't really feel comfortable with the organization moving forward with like a waggus pack moving forward. I, I, I just can't see it. So if it means grabbing two or three more pitching prospects to boost this organization's stability in that department, Marcus Stroman seems to be the guy to go. And if it means keeping payroll down in order to spend later on on uh, talent that is better than Marcus Stroman, then yeah, we you got to do it. Um, this is just the recipe. This is the way it goes. And I know it sucks because Marcus Stroman is this player that Blue Jays fans really cling on to, and it sucks because you do see the passion that he has for the city and the country, right? It, it, he's not wrong when he says that athletes don't tend to gravitate towards Toronto that's the truth and I know it's a hard truth and I'm that's not me being critical of the organization the city or the country at all it's just the truth that free agents don't really seek out Toronto unless it's for a big contract that other teams are not willing to match Toronto needs to spend a little bit more in order to attract free agents, right? And when you have a talent like Marcus Stroman that is willing to stay with the organization, I understand that fans gravitate towards that. I get it. But for the future and stability and to the long-term prospect of this team, it is probably in their interest and in their benefit to trade Marcus Stroman in a way. And in fact, it's probably in Marcus Stroman's best interest to play for a contender the like i said the blue jays aren't looking to contend anytime soon right and if marcus stroman can be traded to a new york yankee squad as much as we would hate to see that because that would be seeing him 18 times a year in the al east or maybe to a houston astros team that is really really good and marcus stroman probably has a better chance of winning a ring there that benefits him that benefits his free agency stock when that approaches in two years or a year and a half, rather, this is in his best interest as well. No one likes playing for a team that's not winning. And if Marcus Stroman can play for a team that is not not only desiring him to play for them, but it's also contending, that works out for him. So this is sort of a win-win situation for the Blue Jays right now. And I think Marcus Stroman has come to terms with it. He, in fact, he's talked to the media saying that he doesn't see him a long-term solution or a long-term deal ...by the Blue Jays towards him, so he's kind of moving on from it. It sucks, he seems a little bit defle- defeated by it, but look, that's the breaks. That's how this works. and It's unfortunate that Marcus Stroman, someone that really loves playing for the team... ...and someone that fans are very much attached to, has to be the guy that has to go. But right now, the Blue Jays don't really have a lot of options available to them as trade chips. If if Justin Smoke wasn't hurt, I'm sure he'd be on the block. Maybe he still is on the block right now. There's still about a month and a half left of uh, until the trade deadline. So if Justin Smoke can come back and sort of regain that form that we saw in the beginning of the year, that he's this power hitter, I'm sure a lot of teams would like to have that on their squad too, especially those that are in contention. Right, Giles is the same way. Right, he's a solid closer right now, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if teams like the Boston Red Sox are very much interested in having them on the squad. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So it, it, it's probably in their interest to sell off these assets, right? And if it means another down year, that's going to suck. It's really going to suck, but this is how you build, right? The, the, the days of buying free agency and buying championships, it's over. You don't see that a lot. You see a lot more teams developing young stars to really stabilizing, stabilizing rather their organization. And the Blue Jays are no different. This is where it's happening right now. This is the modern approach to compete. So if that means selling off assets that fans are attached to, that you know are highlighted on this team, unfortunately, that's just the way it has to go. So expect Marcus Stroman you know, to be one of the top tier trade chips for the Blue Jays. In fact, he's pitching today. As I mentioned, I'm recording this Sunday morning. He's pitching today in Boston. So if he can show some more stuff and really boost that trade value, it's only going to benefit the Blue Jays moving forward. All right. Same thing with Ken. Same thing with Justin Smoke when he returns. These are the players that you're going to see on the map. Um so I look forward to seeing what the Blue Jays are going to do. I look forward to seeing how they're going to approach uh, the, the trade deadline and how they're going to build the system further. And when it comes to the position players, we really have nothing to complain about, right? Bo Bichette is knocking on the door. It, it will happen sooner rather than later. In fact, Anthony Alford is proving to be pretty decent, and that's it's really not giving him enough credit in Buffalo, right? The, the future... In terms of position players, looks really good. Really good. But in terms of the pitching aspect, it needs to be cleaned up. It needs to be improved. And the only way you're going to improve it is by making trades. I'm sorry, that's just the recipe for it. That being said, I don't know who else would be on the trade block. I'd be interested to see, to rather hearing, your uh, predictions for that. Right now, I have got Giles, Strowman, and uh, Smoke when he returns as the three obvious candidates. If you think there are any more players, I know Tay Oscar is being floated out there. I don't know if he also lines up with the future of this organization, but again, I don't know what you're really getting from. Um, but if anybody else has any possible trade candidates that the Blue Jays could utilize to really uh, push further, I'd be interested in hearing them. Um, pitching is the name of the game. So you have to bear in mind that anybody that you're putting on the block, the Blue Jays are probably looking for pitching prospects in return. So when you have to think of that, pitching prospects are highly valued in every system, every system. So you're not going to get a top tier pitching prospect for Teoscar Hernandez. You're just not, it's not happening. You're probably not getting it for Justin Smoke either, but I do think having, you know, illustrated the severity and the the weight of this trade deadline being a solid trade deadline the blue jays are probably in the driver's seat when it comes to it so look I, I i wanted to use this episode as just a quick recap of what's going on in blue jays land they're not performing well right and right now the the only conversation that we have is the trade deadline coming up who is going to be on the trading block and uh, the development of the kids, that's the name of the game this year. there's really not a lot more to talk about. So I'd be interested in hearing again who your trade candidates are. Hit me up on Twitter at South of the Six. Um, tell me who you think should should go. Tell me who you think that the Blue Jays could really use to boost the system further in a pitching dynamic. I, I'd be interested in hearing it. Um, there are plenty of games left, right? And like I said, Having seen what the Raptors have done in terms of their success, I'm sure it's not blind to Rogers and the Blue Jays organization. They're probably thirsty for it. They probably are reminiscing as to what it was like in 2015 and 16 and the money that can be made. At the end of the day, this is a business, right? And the Blue Jays want to make money. Rogers wants to make money. That's not a bad thing. That's just how business is run. So having seen the success of the Toronto Raptors, and to a lesser degree, having seen the success of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they probably wouldn't mind seeing their team in the postseason, even if it's in a, an immediate elimination or it, albeit maybe it's a wild card race. They probably would like to see that. They probably would like to see a lot more asses in the seats at the Rogers Center. Who wouldn't? I would. It makes for a much more entertaining experience seeing a sold-out crowd right? and seeing a winning ball club. But right now, they have to boost the system. They have to build. I'm sure next year, when their commitments to players in terms of the payroll is a lot lower than it is right now, you may see the Blue Jays being a little bit more inclined to spend on younger talent or on proven talent to really push them further into contention. By no means do I think the 2020 season is going to be the year that the Blue Jays really go for it. You're probably looking at one more year of developing these players and really getting their feet wet in the major league system. And in 2021, I think that's when you're going to see the trigger pulled. But it's going to be interesting to see because both Shapiro and Atkins aren't contracted, aren't under contract rather, in 2021. Their final season is 2020. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting storyline moving forward. But right now, we have to focus on development. We have to focus on the kids, and we have to focus on seeing them through and seeing who belongs on this team moving forward, all right? And you're not going to see that in a small handful of games that Biggio and uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Rowdy Tellez have been playing. It takes a lot more than that. Even Danny Jansen, as underwhelming as he's been, takes a lot more than just half a season to really understand whether or not they belong. So let's let's wait it out. Let's see what happens this season. It's going to be interesting to see September call-ups. I know I'm jumping ahead right now. But focus on these kids. Focus on the development and try not to get discouraged. I know it's hard. I get it. It's really hard to watch a losing baseball team. I understand. But stick with these kids. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up today. I just wanted to point this out before we take off. It is uh, just about 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Uh, Sean Reed Foley has been called up, and the corresponding move is Jordan Romano has been optioned to Buffalo. So there's some pitching depth, hopefully, that can blossom into something. I know he's been very underwhelming and very disappointing in terms of his uh, Major League appearances, he being Sean Reed Foley for the Blue Jays. Maybe there's something there. Maybe he's improved a little bit, and maybe he can capture some magic on the Major League squad. Marcus Stroman is still scheduled to make his start today at Fenway Park. Um, no trades yet revolving around him, so stick with him. Stick with this team. I'm sure the best is yet to come. Your patience should be rewarded. But that's gonna wrap it up today. As I mentioned, if you want to shoot me your trade candidates that are currently on the Blue Jay squad in terms of trading for pitching prospects, I'd love to hear them. You can hit me up at on Twitter, rather at south of the six. Six spelled the number six and the letters I X. Also, if you haven't already, shoot me a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. First of all, over there, shoot me a review. It helps us out a lot in terms of uh, making the show more accessible to those that are looking for Raptors and or Blue Jays content, really. And if you have any fellow Blue Jays fans or Raptors fans that are looking for podcasts, show them the show. Well, show them this way, and I'll, I'd very much appreciate it. Um, So that's going to wrap it up. We will have shows around evolving around the Blue Jays with guests on a weekly basis. Again, as I mentioned, the Raptors had just been at a fever pitch and uh, it was really hard to ignore. So Blue Jays content will be produced on the reg and we'll have guests, we'll have conversations bounce back and forth. This is just a little bit of a primer, a little bit of a refresher for those that have been uh, missing out on the Blue Jays and paying attention to the Raptors. So I appreciate everybody listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.